At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. This is Florida Matters. I'm Matthew Petty. Tampa Bay's Regional Transit Authority is going away. The organization was formed 16 years ago to tackle mass transit needs for the region, but it's ground to a halt due to lack of funding and lack of agreement between the cities and counties that make up the Tampa Bay Area Regional Transit Authority, or TBATA. Today on the show, we'll explore what went wrong with TBATA and what happens next. We'll talk about why there's a need to coordinate transit across county lines and look at places in the United States where regional transit works well. First, though, an update on Andrew Warren. The state attorney for Hillsborough County was suspended last August. When he announced the suspension, Governor Ron DeSantis said Warren had indicated he would not enforce current or potential state laws, namely around abortion or transgender health care. Warren sued DeSantis in federal court to try and get his job back. Last Friday, Judge Robert Hinkle released his ruling. He said the governor was wrong to suspend Warren, but he can't reinstate him. WUSF's Steve Newborn has been covering the case and joins us now. Hi, Steve. Hello, Matthew. So a bit of a hollow victory for Andrew Warren. What did Judge Hinkle say about the governor's suspension of Warren and why can't he give him his job back? Yeah, talk about a hollow victory or a pyrrhic victory to use a uh, an older term. Basically, Warren won all the argument. He won the counts. The judge had ruled that the governor had violated his First Amendment rights on the federal side and also the state constitution by suspending him where he didn't have any legal backing to do so. But because he's a federal judge, he did not have the power to reinstate Warren. This goes to the 11th Amendment separation of federal and state powers. And um, apparently because the governor violated both federal and state law, it negated his power to actually reinstate him if he had just violated federal law, for instance, or state law, he could have done something about it. But apparently there's something in the uh, the legal technicalities here that prevented the judge from doing that. Okay, that's interesting, because in his remarks, Warren suggested, he, he actually alluded to that, he said the governor had broken state and federal law in suspending him, but those two things cancel each other out effectively when it comes to some kind of recompense? Right. Uh, I talked to uh, Professor Louis Varelli at the Stetson University College of Law, and he said uh, there had to be a preponderance of a violation of the federal law, the First Amendment free speech rights, for him to actively reinstate him. But the preponderance of the violation in his ruling was on the state side. So he couldn't do anything about it. Sorry, um, go to plan B. Just remind us why Warren had become a target for DeSantis in the first place. Andrew Warren has been elected twice as state attorney in Hillsborough County. He won on a progressive platform in, in blue Hillsborough County. And part of that was he vowed to not enforce certain laws that he believed was government overreach. This included previous arrests of people being arrested while riding a bicycle, that sort of thing. And then he went and actually signed a pledge saying that he would not enforce the new state laws on abortion that limited, limited the woman's right to abortion to the 
first 15 weeks. And several attorneys who I talked to said that was his fault, that he actually signed a pledge instead of saying he wouldn't do anything about it, he wouldn't enforce the laws. So that basically gave them a, a legal recourse to do something about it. So the governor, who has, as you know, has been in a uh, battle with uh, the forces of wokeness, in his words, decided to make an example of this and suspended him and warned Suda of saying he violated his free speech rights, which he basically won, but of course that didn't do anything. And what we have now is Warren is to appeal, basically. It's back in his court now, to use a mm -hmm. bad pun. Steve, what is Andrew Warren's legal recourse? What options does he have? Well, according to Professor Varelli, who I just interviewed, he has three legal remedies for this. He can, one, appeal this ruling to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeal in Atlanta. That's a federal court. But he might run into the same problems of not being able to be reinstated. However, the professor said, using the preponderance of evidence that he had just issued in this case, that might give them the power to actually reinstate him. Number two, he can appeal directly to the state Supreme Court in Tallahassee. But here's where the politics gets into play. A majority of those justices have been appointed by Governor DeSantis. So uh, there could be some hesitancy for him to go there. Obviously, there was some hesitancy because he didn't go there in the first place. And the third remedy, which is even less likely, is he can ask the state Senate to reinstate him, which is highly unlikely since uh, Republicans have a supermajority there. Uh, Warren's a Democrat, and there is little political will to buck the governor. So if I was a betting man, I'd say he'd probably go to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeal in Atlanta on this one. We did hear a little bit from Andrew Warren. He gave a press conference, albeit a fairly brief one, after the ruling came down. What did he say? Well, he said he was vindicated, for one. And the last thing he said was, this is not over. And then he left the lectern and didn't take any questions. So which leads us to believe that he's going to do an appeal. That's the logical thing. So we're, we're keeping an ear to the ground in this one right now. WSF Steve Newborn. You can find more of his reporting on the Andrew Warren case on our website, wsfnews.org. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Matthew. Now let's get back to the story of transit in Tampa Bay, the agency that's been steering transit across the region for the last 16 years, effectively ground to a halt last Friday. Members of the Tampa Bay Area Regional Transit Authority, or TBATA, voted unanimously to sunset the organization. Here's TBATA Chair Cliff Manuel, Jr. Personally, I'm disappointed. I um, would be prefer to chair our regional transit systems that we've put in place and our ideas that we've accomplished over the last several years. Um, but we're at a time where we've been asked to repeal ourselves. For more on what went wrong with TBATA, here's Craig Kopp, who was at the meeting last Friday. Hi, Craig. Pleasure to be here. Thanks. All right. So, Craig, why did this organization fail? Because it couldn't cooperate. Uh, they couldn't get any ideas together. Now, there's two sides to every coin here. Some in the authority say that uh, it's the uh, state legislature's fault. They didn't pony up any money. But Mr. Manuel Jr. there, he would say, well, you, we didn't come up with any ideas that everybody was on board for, uh, like, say, a Miami did or like an Orlando area did. All the counties in those areas got together, came up with a plan that they all would back and then went up to the legislature and asked for the money. Well, T. Barter 
couldn't come up with anything except maybe a rapid bus transit line they wanted to run from, say, Wesley Chapel to Tampa over to St. Pete. But um, the Hillsborough County was never on board with doing that. I thought it was a repeat of services. And a lot of people want the light rail. And that's sort of, they couldn't agree on anything. And if you can't agree on anything, you can't go and ask for any money for something because nobody's going to give you a pot of cash and say, here, do what you want to do. Craig, there was also a bit of pressure coming from state lawmakers, right? I know that in the past there'd been some bills filed to try and dissolve Tibatis, a new batch of bills coming up this legislative session. Tell me about that. It's it's, it's the handwriting on the wall. I mean, the, the organization's been together since 2007, and really other than a, a kind of a van service they put together that serves 200 or so they have 200 or so people who use that or, or more, um, they've come up with nothing. So uh, in the last couple of years, there have been a couple of state legislators saying, we put this into effect. Why? It's it's not getting anywhere. anywhere. Um, and when you have a transportation uh, organization that can't get anywhere, it raises some eyebrows. Uh, this time around, the handwriting really was on the wall. I attended the meeting where they voted, the authority voted to sunset itself. It was unanimous. There was nobody argued against the idea of doing it because they, too, know they really weren't able to accomplish anything. So there's a, a bill in the Senate, a bill in the House. The next session, the legislature is very much expected to vote to sunset T. Barda, and the governor is expected to sign it. Now it'll take a while to unwind everything because they have to, you know, cancel the phone and cancel the internet service and those sorts of things. But that's, you know, 16 years or so. That's that's a long time to really not get anything done. Now, you talked with Tibata member and Hillsborough County Commissioner Pat Kemp. Let's just take a quick listen to her comments about funding. The county's never had the money either. It would have really had to come from the state legislature, and the legislature was never um, willing to fund anything, just put forward plans. Um, They do get funding in Miami area from the state legislature for operations. They as well have had that in uh, Orlando uh, and Orange County and um, have had other opportunities in these counties as well. But uh, that has not happened for our region and it's uh, kind of been perpetual. So that's Pat Kemp talking about funding there. She's essentially saying Tampa Bay isn't getting the kind of support from Tallahassee that other regions maybe have for their transit initiatives. Um, What about that? Uh, Chairman Manuel Jr. argues that it's T-Barter's fault because Miami, the Miami area, the Miami region, the Orlando region came up with some ideas, some plans, and everybody said, yes, we all want to do this. And then went up, you know, as a concerted front to the legislature and asked for the money. So he disagrees with Pat Kemp about the legislature and the money. Uh, He doesn't he thinks that what the legislature wants is a solid plan backed by all the counties who and cities who were participating in T-BARDA. That's what they want before they're going to start writing any checks. Let's just actually take a quick listen to uh, Chairman Manuel Jr. on the issue of collaboration and what he thinks needs to happen for this to work. I think Hart and PSTA need to decide to collaborate. I think they should work together to create a regional transit concept. Um, and then all the member counties need to support it. But 
I'm sure you've, you've been around long enough to know Tallahassee is just not going to step in and fix those type of regional discussions. You've got to present to them one voice. So as you were saying, Craig, they, he thinks they really need to come up with something that Tallahassee is going to get behind, not the other way around. I wonder, though, thinking about the future of transit in the region, does it seem to you from what you've observed and from the meeting on Friday that some of these groups can get together, some of these counties can collaborate and come up with something for the future? Not, not from what I have seen up to this point. I'm not in on all the inner workings of these county governments and city governments. If you look at a map, it's clear that Pinellas, for instance, Pinellas County and Hillsborough County, those two bus lines that were mentioned there, if they got together and said, you know, what we're going to do if we can get our governments to agree on this is to create a regional bus system, that's a plan. And look at the bay, and they're, they're separated by a body of water. You coordinate all that, pool all your resources, and then go to the state and say, we need more resources. We've got a plan. That could, I suppose, happen if uh, those two transit systems and their management got together. Um, uh, Hart right now is in a bit of a, uh, a disarray for, for a, a number of reasons in terms of its governance. Um, so, uh, you know, right now, but, you know, that is Manuel Jr.'s idea. He said T-BARTA is essentially just a name. That's just a name of an organization to apply to an organization. All these counties could get together on their own uh, and come up with a plan um, and take it to the state legislature. I, you know, also imagine you're looking at a map, U.S. 19 through Pinellas County up through Pasco. Imagine being able to get on something that could get you to from, say, Hudson to St. Pete for a job in, you know, a, a decent amount of time. All those things would be fantastic. But they, you cross a bunch of governments and they've just got to say, let's agree that we're going to give up a little here and give up a little there so we could all get this. And uh, obviously, after 16 years, T. Barta couldn't pull it off. You alluded to this earlier, Craig, but I just wanted to come back for, to it for a moment on the issue of agreement. Uh, one thing they do need to fix on is what mode of transportation, right, for a mass transit system, whether it's rail, whether it's bus rapid transit. Let's just take a quick listen to Cliff Manuel Jr. talking about that aspect of things. We've got to get past whether it's going to be trains or tracks or buses. You know, we kind of need to center on all of that working together. To me, transit is all those things. I think you can have a BRT and ultimately have a commuter rail system that doesn't have to be exclusive of one another. But they need to all agree to get anything done in Tallahassee. On that point, real quick, Matt, I wasn't here 16 years ago um, when T-Barter was formed. But, you know, I've been told that it really was kind of based around the idea that there was going to be a rapid rail coming in from the Orlando area into here and then it would feed out. And that was the whole plan. And then that was scotched by the Scott administration. And that's it, that's when it all started to fall apart. Um, so the, there was a plan that they were going to branch off of, as it were. And when that was uh, scotched, that that kind of where nobody could come up with anything uh, to replace that with. So what happens next? You've said they, they need to take a, a little bit of time to unwind things. Um, and it sounds like there is still some kind of interest in collaboration, but the question is how, right? 
Right. Well, these board members will, you know, they're going to they're going to meet for a couple of more times. Really, basically, the operation will cease the 31st of this year in December, December 31st. They're going to try to uh, farm out this van service to another third party to take that over because people do have gotten used to that. And other than that, nothing. After that, the uh, the uh, CEO will stay on to, to basically be there until they paid the last bill and turn out the lights. Craig Kopp covering the fate of Tibata, the Tampa Bay Area Regional Transit Authority that voted to dissolve itself last week. Craig, thanks so much. Always a pleasure to be here. Thank you. You're listening to Florida Matters. We're discussing the demise of Tibata. Up next, we'll talk with an expert about the Tampa Bay region's transit needs and where Tampa Bay could look to for inspiration. That's when we return. Welcome back to Florida Matters. I'm Matthew Petty. Tibata, the Tampa Bay Area Regional Transit Authority, has ground to a halt. After 16 years, the organization has a van pool, but more ambitious transit projects have been blocked by a lack of funding or agreement among the cities and counties. Members of the authority voted last Friday to dissolve Tibata. Back in 2012, Ruth Steiner completed a study on regional cooperation and transportation planning. Steiner is a professor of urban and regional planning and director of the Center for Health and the Built Environment at the University of Florida. And in that study, she recommended better coordination of transportation planning in the Tampa Bay region. If not Tibata, Steiner told me, Tampa Bay still needs a region-wide transit plan. We also talked about places in the United States where regional transit works well and where Tampa Bay leaders could look for inspiration. So let me start by just setting this up. The Tampa Bay Area Regional Transit Authority, or TBATA as it's known, was created in 2007, but lately it's been dogged by funding problems, a lack of buy-in from regional partners. Governor DeSantis has vetoed state funding for the agency, and cities and counties have also held back funding or questioned their contributions. So in general terms, what is the argument in favor of a regional transit authority like this one? The argument in favor of it really is that most transit is has regional coverage. For instance, as I look at the Tampa Bay region, you've got Pinellas County with its employment centers in Tampa. And yet, when you look at that, the, the ability for the traveling public to get easily from Pinellas County to uh, Tampa or vice versa, or from Pasco County down to either Tampa or the employment centers in Pinellas County is a challenge. Obviously, if you're in your personal car that's not mass transit but just just kind of by way of analogy if you are on a toll road in florida and uh, you've got a certain kind of pass you can also use that in other states does that kind of thing happen without uh, some sort of regional planning like can there be ad hoc collaboration by between different transit agencies in different counties for example There can be ad hoc coordination, but I think the challenge for transit agencies in particular is that the funding, until recently, I would say under the Biden administration there and the packages dealing with COVID, there's probably more money in transit than there had been for a very long time. But long-term transit agencies have seen both a decline in ridership 
and a, a, a shortage of revenues so that's really a long-term kind of consideration and I think the other one other aspect of it really is understanding the connections within the region and the connections locally and that's the challenge on any transit agency is how do you serve both the local customers as well as the needs for travel broadly throughout the region. Yeah, I guess a lot of transit systems might have a lot of ridership in some areas, not very much in other areas or at different times of the day. So it's a matter of trying to balance out those those different needs, right? It generally is. I mean, one way to think about this, although every Florida community, uh, you know, every transit agency has a unique profile, but in the long term, what I would, what many people have pointed out is that transit agencies have favored expenditures for, uh, there's generally speaking, we've historically, we've talked about choice riders and transit captive riders. And there's a lot of discussion about changing those to uh, be a broader thing to think about what are the markets for transit. Transit captive are those people who don't have cars, whether it's because they're they're low income, whether they can't drive because they have cognitive or physical impairments that prevent them from being a driver, or they're old or young, too young to old to drive or too old to drive. That's the transit captive. And the other is sort of what you would say choice riders. And often those are people who have used transit to get to work. And the argument had been that uh, I would say in the last two de- two to three decades, we've been, the argument is that we've been spending money to capture those choice riders. But the transit center out of New York City has really begun to redefine it in a way that I think is more useful. Um, And it also sort of uh, eliminates what I would say is some of the biases. We we tend to think of low-income populations as being dependent on transit. And they are for, for good and valid reasons, if especially uh, car ownership is challenging if your income is not high enough. And the third category is what would be called special use riders. So if I'm going, if I'm going to go to a Miami Heat game, it, the arena is right in downtown. I could take public transit to get to that event, and it would be less has. It arguably would be less hassle, and in many contexts, much cheaper than paying twenty to forty dollars to park my vehicle. So those kind of three classes of users, if you think of special purpose commuting and uh, all-purpose users. The all-purpose users are really the ones we're trying to plan for, but they have very different needs than commuters. So when you're looking at this picture of interregional and region-wide transit, the market is, you think about it differently than when you're thinking about how do I get around in Tampa or in Hillsborough County, for instance. So Ruth, let me bring it back to Tampa Bay for a moment. If not Tibata, the Transit Tampa Bay Area Regional Transit Authority, if that isn't around, do we need another regional transit authority or some kind of equivalent? Like, does Tampa Bay need an overarching group to try and plan for some of these regional problems in mass transit or things that need a solution? There's sort of two levels that you can answer that. And one thing I would say, one observation I would make about Florida. So to begin with, in transportation planning, we have what is called MPOs, Metropolitan Planning Organizations. And those 
organizations are federally, um, they're put into federal legislation. Those regional authorities in some states are multi-county. San Francisco Bay Area is a nine-county MPO, and it's had that nine-county MPO since the 1970s. Southeastern Wisconsin Regional Planning Council, at least six counties in southeastern Wisconsin surrounded, uh, surrounding the Milwaukee area. What I, observation I would make in Florida is that they tend to be countywide. So what you do have is you have Forward Pinellas, Hillsboro TPO, Transportation Planning Organization. You have a separate one for Pasco. You have separate one for Polk County. You, have, you do have a combined one for Sarasota Manatee. But all of these organizations are looking at and taking federal money that comes down through the state to the MPOs, and they're putting together broad transportation plans for everything from transit to uh, right. airports, ports, all of those. They're planning for all modes and for trails, uh, in interregional trails. So you sort of have this question of, do you need a narrow solution for transit only, or do you need, and I did come across, I'm not that familiar with this, the Suncoast Transportation Planning Alliance is doing planning not just for transit, but it's also looking at regional trails. It's also looking at sort of highway connectivity. So I think that that's kind of the, the um, real challenge here is, do you want an agency that's focusing specifically on transit, which there are good, good and valid arguments for it because transit has different challenges? Or do you want to have a more multi-purpose, agents, multi-purpose transportation agency that is looking at all modes and their, their connections between them and how people get around in the region, whether they're uh, driving everywhere or they're using public transit to get around? When you talk about uh, you know, the San Francisco Bay Area or in, around Wisconsin, do those multi-county agencies work in, in your observation? In general, I would say so, yes. I, I mean, I think, but they have this challenge. Essentially, any regional agency has this challenge of how close are they to the people that they're serving. And certainly the argument in favor of a separate MPO or TPO for Pinellas County from Hillsboro is that they are elected officials who are closer to the people and, and understands people's needs. Just to wrap things up here, what are some successful models for regional transit and regional cooperation that Tampa Bay could be looking to for inspiration? I would start, and everybody starts with Portland, and Portland has what I would say one of the strongest regional governance systems in the country. But another region that actually with a business alliance really has done a lot on regional transit is um, Salt Lake City which uh, leading up to the Olympics, they, they actually put together a group that, in essence, they, the business interest in the region said it's in our interest. We're, we're building out into places that we value and we're, in a sense, interfering with our ability to have, make this a place of natural beauty and we're sprawling out into the hills and we would be better if we densified and created regional transit solutions. I don't know quite as much about it, but Minneapolis has done a lot of work in recent, recent times. They do have a sort of share, regional shared governance that goes long-term that's 
generally characterized in the literature as being much more about um, business development so that they're not competing when a new business is one to come in. But Minneapolis has been pretty proactive in developing what I would call as a regional uh, light rail system. Well, Dr. Ruth Steiner, Professor of Urban and Regional Planning and Director of the Center for Health and the Built Environment at the University of Florida, thank you so much for your insights and appreciate it. Well, thank you for your great questions. And that's Florida Matters for this week. You can find us online at wusfnews.org or via Facebook or Twitter. Search for Florida Matters. Denora Prevost is our producer. I'm Matthew Petty. Thanks for listening.